The Minnesota Timberwolves get another big win. Oh, Jason Tatum has a monster game, but it's not enough to get past the Hornets. Pelicans get a big win versus the Kings. Nikola Jokic gets ejected, and somehow the Nuggets still beat the Pistons. Got to talk about that. And the Heat get revenge on the Bulls. Plus, we got news on Bradley Beal. All this and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Appreciate you guys being with us and being in every day or checking us out five days a week, ready for you with all sorts of NBA news, insights, analysis, and of course, good old fashioned takes. We are available on all platforms. You can find us on YouTube and on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the five-star reviews. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by David Ramil. He's co-host of Locked on Heat. I'm over at Locked on Nuggets. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Busy night the association on today we'll talk about the minnesota timberwolves taking on the knicks we'll talk about uh the, the celtics surprising loss to the charlotte hornets we will talk about the miami heat getting revenge on the chicago bulls the nuggets having nicola yoga get ejected and then still somehow beating the pistons how long is it going to be for the pistons before they're good we're going to get into that plus i got a question for david comparing two central division teams as far as that goes. Uh, we'll hit on all the action on in tonight's association. Plus, later on, we'll talk about Bradley Beal and his injury situation with the Phoenix Suns. David, let's start with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who once again get a big win at home, uh, taking on the New York Knicks. Knicks have been playing much better ball lately, but once again, they fall victim to the Timberwolves and that vicious defense. Uh, Anthony Edwards had talked about how their defense had fallen off the last couple of games. They wanted to get that right. They held the Knicks to 35% shooting from the field, 24% from three-point range. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had seven offensive rebounds in this one, and it still didn't matter. Uh, Jalen Brunson goes for 25 points on 7-15 to shooting, six dimes, but they were outscored by 16 in his minutes. Julius Randle shoots just 6-16. of They get to the line 12 times and knock down eight of them, so like pretty good efficiency there, but they couldn't get any help. Uh, R.J. Barrett, once again, shoots great from three, three or four from three. His torrid shooting continues. But meanwhile, Minnesota, um, they get 23 from Ant. They get 25 for three steals, two blocks from Carl Anthony Towns. Rudy Gobert chips in 16, and they just played really great team basketball. Um, my question for you is, how long do the Wolves have to keep this up before you consider them a serious conference finals contender? Not title, just to make the conference finals. How long do they have to do this for? I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I'll ever reach that point, to be honest with you. Wow. I, because... Okay. Just because, I mean, we've seen this, right? Like, didn't we play this out last year with the Sacramento Kings and, and they were dynamic and they were fun and everybody really wants to root for them. And it's not like I I don't want the, the Wolves to not be able to reach a level that they have in quite some time. But it's just none of this matters as as good as they've been. And I'm a believer in what they are and who uh, what team they can be. This is November, and none of this will matter in six months from down the road. Like I, I know you're building a process, and you're getting good returns. On I mean, Anthony Edwards is the superstar everybody expected him to be. I think nobody's talking about Carl Anthony Towns 
and he's been phenomenal. Like his yeah. overall approach to the game has been great, and he's making an impact. Still winds a little bit too much for my taste, but other than that, he's just a, a positive, great offensive player out there, and his defense has improved too. But, I mean, nobody's going to remember this streak or these wins in, in April or May when if, if they can't advance deep into the playoffs. I, I assume for you that point is a lot sooner. Like, do you think that if, if what, they're like 20 games above 500, at that point, you could say, well, they're a legitimate title contender or, or, or again, a, East, a Western Conference title title contender. Yeah, I mean, I don't cover the heat, so I get to pretend like the regular season matters. Um, So I think like a it lot doesn't. of it. Come on. You know it doesn't, right? Like, come on. That's no, not but no, no, but you say that, but I'll say this. Um, This is why the heat winning last season was honestly so uh, kind of obnoxious in that it really, really it devalued the regular season to such a high degree in that we hadn't seen anybody that was outside of top three seed. There have been like, I think, Four in the last like 25 years uh, to make the finals, just to make it. And none of them have won the title. Like if you're not a top three seed, history says you don't get there. And so the regular season, I think does have matter because a lot of it's like you need home court. It's really hard to go on the road for multiple series and win unless you shoot 45% from three versus the Bucks and 43% from three versus the Boston Celtics and Caleb Martin turns into MJ. Other than that though, like in normal teams, like you do need to build a resume. And I'm not saying the regular season... I get what you're saying because, like, I agree. Like, the regular season doesn't matter. Um, Reggie Jackson had an interesting thing on this the other night when at, at a Nuggets game. He was talking about how there are certain games during the regular season where most of the games, what you're working on is your fundamentals so that you can be as sharp as possible in your principles. And then there are certain teams that you have to scheme for, like the Warriors, where they play such a high level of basketball. You're going to need to throw some stuff out there that you don't normally do. Okay. But what I do think is good is like you have to establish these floors. And I think the Wolves are doing a really good job of establishing a floor and a formula for success, right? Which is defense travels. We know that that's sustainable. Like I would rather they would look like this with a dominating defense and Anthony Edwards heroics and Cat adding this in and a good balance of three-pointers and uh, of three-pointers and at-rim pressure as well as pick-and-roll game and like some in-between. They have a really healthy balance offensively even if the offense isn't great yet. I think they've got room to improve. I think that they've got a really solid bench, which helps because not necessarily for the bench minutes. It's more if you have an injury, you need those guys to fill in unless you just find random undrafted players that go off for 25 and shoot 43% from three. But like most teams need like actually good players um, that they can fill in in those injury spots. And so uh, that to me is why I think I'm a little bit higher on the Wolves. I legitimately think that they've got a very good chance of being a top four seed and at least yes. having a, a very good chance of being – in the Western Conference Finals, that's look. I I see what you're saying. I think that ultimately amounts to basically the same thing. Is that it's kind of a wait and see approach, which is totally fine. Yeah. But I like that quote from Reggie. I, I I get that approach. It's like, you know, most of the time you're working on your own stuff, but then when you face these tougher teams, the ones that require a little bit extra, you want to be able to see how you match up with them because that does translate. And I know too many people say, oh, zero and four during the regular season against X team, and that doesn't necessarily matter i think historically it hasn't really shown that you know what happens with the regular season will translate into the playoffs but i get that as minnesota is building these good habits and understanding how to attack these teams that are viewed as better or at least legitimate contenders or playoff contenders whatever you want to frame them as that that still matters and will matter down the road so what is what is minnesota's biggest weakness in your opinion and what would be their achilles heel entering the playoffs in terms of their their contending status honestly it's the i mean it's the offense right it's just like are, are you going to have a high enough offensive floor because we saw this with teams versus denver where it was like they could have really great 
offensive nights. It just didn't matter because if you're not able to score 112 for 100 possessions, you're just not going to get there. Like there's just a certain right. offensive floor you've got to be able to get to. Like the Heat dragged the the uh, sell the Nuggets rather in Game Five to hell, wow. and yes. they didn't have anything left to on the offensive end in order to get past them. Like the Heat did such a great defensive job. The toughest team for the for the Nuggets, though, I will say in the playoffs was the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was the team that gave them the most problems. So. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. It's like if they face a team like the Suns, do you trust a team that's balanced and has good defense and guys like Anthony Edwards and play together or a team like the Suns mm -hmm. where it's like KD is going to do some stuff and Beal's going to do some stuff. And then like Josh Akogi maybe, and like Kate Bates D up is there. Like that's kind sure of the is. question I think you, you got to get to. And it's an interesting layout in the West um, on the other side. I want to get to all the rest of the games. We'll hit on Detroit. We'll hit on Miami. We'll hit on uh, the Hornets getting a big upset over the Celtics. We'll hit all the rest of the games when we return here on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Want to let you know about FanDuel Sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan, and I bet against mm. my own team because I thought the Eagles were going to win because I had a bad day. And I had the vibes that this was going to be a bad one, and it was. Uh, new customers do get the 150 bucks. You can bet on so many things: spreads, player props, over unders, and more. Uh, NBA, you can bet. You can. The best thing about Fanduel, you can parlay awards, so you could do things like Tyrese Maxey most improved and Victor Wembanyama. Or right now, I think the best value is Chet Holmgren, rookie of the mm. year. And you can parlay that with a DPOY that you like, say Bam Adebayo, who I will never stop betting. I will never stop betting and losing money on Bam Adebayo to win Defensive Player of the Year. So many options at FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NBA and NFL seasons. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Make sure to check out all throughout the week. You got uh, John Corrales, Jake Madison tomorrow. You know, Jake covers the Pelicans. Let's start there. Uh, the Pelicans got a big win versus the Sacramento Kings. Kings were feeling good about themselves. De'Aaron Fox was going off. It was all good. And then they had to play a back-to-back -back in the Bayou. And what do you know? The Pelicans caught up with them. Uh, the Pelicans get the win 129-93, and this game was within range, and then the end of the second quarter, the Pelicans broke it open with an absolute barrage of Zion Williamson drives. Brandon Ingram was the leading scorer in this one with 31 points on an efficient 11 of 18 from the field. Notably, Ingram goes 5 of 5 from 3. The 5 is the most important number there. If Ingram consistently takes three-pointers, that offense gets way, way, way better. Valanchunas goes 10 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 blocks in this one in a plus 33 effort. The Kings had nothing for Zion Williamson. And this continues to be kind of my thing, which is, you know, Sabonis is an awesome player, but when he goes up against these big physical fronts, David, I am never confident in the Kings to be able to get it done because Sabonis, I feel, is still undersized. And the yep. Kings have not brought in another guy to be able to help him out when he faces these big, 
bruising front lines and Zion and JV is so much muscle. Yeah. Good point. Your fail McGee is not the answer. I would imagine. Uh, like I, I, you know, how much of this is Sacramento, however, playing on the second night of a back-to-back, like also New Orleans without CJ McCollum still uh, getting that big night from Brandon Ingram. Like, do you look at this game and say this was more about Sacramento being able to or not being able to kind of establish themselves because they were on the second night of a back-to-back? Not that it's really an excuse, but or was it just New Orleans continuing to find a way to exploit an obvious weakness in terms of Sacramento's lack of physicality and size? Pelicans had a um, kind of a dip here like two weeks ago. Their energy and effort level was really poor. Yes. And they've really come out of it. And now they've got wins versus the Nuggets and versus the Kings. Like they're, they have some good wins now all of a sudden. I think the momentum is turning. Um, They're going to get healthier. They got Jose Alvarado back tonight. They're going to get Trey Murphy back next month. Like it's important to remember this team is missing key rotation guys. And as they, I think, get healthier and they have more options. And as they start to understand, they kind of go through the same process every year of trying to figure out how to play with Zion. That said, like, yeah, like, look, this was a back-to-back spot. This is a bat. And I will say a a bunch of teams are getting the Bayou flu lately for whatever reason that, uh, that, that French quarter uh, flu has been going around something fierce. So um, we'll see what, what kind of happens, but I will see, say that it was a pretty good win for the Pelicans and one that I think they needed. Um, Big shocker of the night was the Charlotte Hornets getting the win in overtime over the Boston Celtics. Celtics absolutely melted down again late in the clutch. And this continues to be kind of a problem. Drew Holiday misses free throws. Tatum misses a point-blank layup. And then on an an out-of-bounds play with the uh, Hornets down two, the Celtics all played above the break. Like they were, they were all above the perimeter. And so LaMelo ball cuts back door and just gets like a pretty open layup for the score. Uh, Ball was awesome in this one. LaMelo goes for 36 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals, 15 of 27 from three hit five threes. Notably, it was only a plus three in this game. Just want to note that (laughs) it was only a plus three. Um, It was great in overtime as well. Uh, a good win for the Hornets. I don't know that it means all that much, but it's a it's a, a feel good moment for them. I uh, want to shout out Mark Williams, who had 18 points, 16 rebounds, and three blocks in this one. Williams is yes. really underrated. The biggest thing here, David, for me is uh, you know this very well as somebody that covers the Heat. I have a song going up about this on action. Like it doesn't matter what the Celtics do in the regular season, how good they look until they get over these moments where we're just like, what are you doing late in these games when things get tight? I'm still going to have reservations about their ability to win the title. That's fair. And, and I'm, I think I'm right there with you. And I, I think you're, you're seeing them play extremely well and, and they have like, there's just no denying that, but there's also the looming possibility of that. And also the possibility of injury. And we've seen it with a lot of their key players is that they can get hurt at the wrong times. And that being the case, like how reliable can you take what they do with during this regular season and, and look ahead and say, Oh yeah, they're, they're going to be a force. Now, I mean, the lack of depth too. I, I, I think their their depth is pretty solid overall tonight, but I think that's still a larger concern too. Um, you know, when you, you look at their 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 late game you know issues, I think those kind of get magnified because they are so dominant throughout other periods of time, either in multi game stretches or even over the course of like the first forty something minutes, they could be really really good. And everybody kind of says, "Oh, it's a meltdown." Plus, Celtics Twitter is also very loud about it. I know they have their issues. That's not to discount what they've done or what have they haven't been able to do. But I think it also gets magnified and kind of blown up a little bit disproportionately. I, I'm, I see the problems. 
I still see them as a legitimate contender. They're a really, really good team. Uh, if they could stay healthy, that's my biggest question, Mark. Even above whatever issues they might have in the fourth quarter, that's the larger concern for them because they have gone to that point. They're not they're not the Wolves. They're not the last year's Kings. They've gone to this point. They've gone to the finals. They've been able to overcome those issues. And so I'm not necessarily as concerned as you might be. Uh, tell me about Heat Bulls. I missed this one. I was watching all the other games. Uh, looked like it got close for a while. Like Heat go up early, and I was like, "Well, the Bulls are going to come back because that's what always apparently happens." And the Bulls like made it this into a single digit game, and it was like eight at one point, and then the Heat just went ahead and tried on home to a win to get the revenge spot after blowing that big lead the other night. Uh, tell me about yeah. this game. Uh, they actually cut it to three at one point, and then Miami just. Uh, get some really timely shooting from Kyle Lowry. Jaime Hawkins continues to be really, really impressive. I mean, I don't know where he's going to finish in the rookie of the year rankings, but he's been an absolute perfect fit for Miami. Really high IQ player, makes really good decisions, always makes a, a positive impact whenever he's on the floor. Played fourth quarters, like played 10 minutes tonight in the fourth quarter and continues to be like their closer, one of their guys in the closing lineup. So that's pretty impressive for him. But they've gotten a revitalized Duncan Robinson, who has just been electric. And if you haven't watched Duncan over the last few games, he's starting in place of Tyler Hero, and he's been dynamic because his game is much more versatile than it has been in the past, and he's able to get to the rim. His shooting is still incendiary, so he's got that incredible balance, but he's really good as a playmaker and improved defender too. So he's not somebody that teams will be able to attack as easily as they have in the past, and I think that was the difference. Unlike what we've seen from them in past games, their fourth quarter was actually pretty solid. And you know what? Chicago also really sucks. They went 0 of 9 from three-point range in the fourth quarter. They looked like they didn't give a damn about this after the first quarter. I mean, that run notwithstanding, I think uh, Chicago really does – it just seemed like they don't want to be out on the floor. And I'm not sure why. But that, that big win indicated something completely different. Maybe they used up all their positivity, all their energy, the spark, whatever – that game on Saturday where they beat Miami to end their seven game win streak. But other than that, they just look really, really dead up down in the dumps. On the other side, I want to talk about the Detroit Pistons and they are in just a, a rough spot after they lose to the Nikola Jokic less and Michael Malone less uh, Denver nuggets. We'll also talk a little bit about the Clippers. Once again, getting another win as they start to rebound a little bit from their low point. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, Bradley Beal and the latest on his injury situation and why, whether or not it's going to matter for the Suns. We'll talk about that on the other side here on Locked On NBA. Right now, I want to tell you about prize picks. How about prize picks? Uh, so you play daily fantasy sports and you're playing against all these different players and they've got all these screens and screens and screens and models and all these different plays. Prize picks. You're not doing that. You're just playing against the stats. All you're doing is playing more or less than the numbers. You get to, you can win up to 25 times your money this basketball season. You just select two or more players, pick over or under on their projected stats, and place your entry. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections. So you can get on LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, or you can do Russell Wilson and uh, – Tyreek Hill, that's another good one because Tyreek is pretty good at the old football. Want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. 
Check out prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Final segment here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us. We're going to get through a few more games, then we'll talk a little bit about Bradley Beal. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, oof, 12, 12 in a row. You, oh, boy. Uh, it's it's bad. Uh, Nicole, okay, so first Michael Malone gets ejected. Uh, Michael Malone, by the way, notably playing in Detroit, where his father coached many years. His father passed away before the start of the season. Um, Nicole Jokic has been, has been frustrated with the officiating going back to the Clippers game. He felt he was getting hit in that game and was – chirping a lot more than even his normal level of chirping. It carried over to the Pelicans game was getting you know, pushed around by JV and, and doing his whole like exaggerating contact stuff that he does there. And then he argued in the first quarter about something inconsequential and picked up a tech. And then he does it again, uh, upset about not getting a call about getting bumped, I believe by Marvin Bagley or somebody. Uh, and was. he gets ejected and he gets ejected from this game. And the Pistons announcers were like, were like, nobody came here to see, this, these these officials like they came here to see the best players in the world and credit to George Blaha and the great Pistons announcing crew for saying that Nicole Yogesh got shut up like I'm sorry the, I understand it's frustrating I don't deny that he gets officiated differently big men get get officiated differently in the NBA it sucks if you're small and you flail you can draw fouls all you want if you fall down all the time like the guy that won MVP last year you're gonna get all the calls in the world that you want but this entire team, especially without Jamal Murray, is built around one concept. They need Nikola Jokic on the floor. Like it is specifically built with him being available because he is always so durable and av- available. Uh, I'm not denying that the call, like Nuggets fans, I know when I do the show tomorrow on Locked on Nuggets, they're going to be upset with me for saying it, but I'm just like, look, the refs can be wrong. It's on Jokic to control his head the same way it was when he got ejected in the Sun series, the same way it has been when he's lost his cool in other situations. There's a responsibility by the best player who gets paid the most money to make sure that he's available. They could have lost this game very easily. It could have been three in a row for the Nuggets. But, unfortunately, the Pistons are the Pistons. Christian Brown goes off in this one. Really strong performance from the second-year man as he goes for for uh, 15 points as a plus 21 in this one. Six boards for him. Uh, Contevious Caldwell-Pope picks him up with 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting. Reggie Jackson adds 21 points on 9 of 15. Big government. Aaron Gordon had some big plays late, and the Nuggets get the win over the Detroit Pistons, even without Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Uh, your thoughts, David, on Jokic's ejection uh, and then we'll get to the sorry state of the Detroit Pistons. Well, I'm curious. I mean, you, obviously, you cover Jokic and the Nuggets, uh, but you've also made this point about Luka Doncic before. Like, what is it about both of those players? And I know it's too fair, too easy to make the comparison because they're both European players and things of that sort. But, like, what is it about their particular temperament and understanding of the game and, and their roles within the, the context of that game that kind of prevents them from understanding, well, you know what? You can't just complain loudly for calls all the time and expect not to get thrown out. Like, I don't I don't understand it. And, I mean, that's just – like, Jovic spends so much time 
telling everybody who listen how little he cares about the game and then he goes and loses his temper so easily and it's just been an issue throughout his career and it doesn't seem like it's at a point where it's likely to stop so i i, I don't know what the solution is if there even is any other than for him to just say i'm, I'm going to stop arguing calls it doesn't seem very likely either yeah i don't know i mean they'll send the letter right they'll send the memo to the league and here's all these calls and it'll probably be fine i think honestly a lot of it is the nuggets had a pretty um dense opening schedule they played nine and 11 i believe it was and they really pushed through that and they came out with it with a great record and now they're paying the price for it as they go on a road trip and i think that's a lot of this as well um and so i think this will probably be okay but ultimately the, look the responsibility is on Jokic to keep his head um he'll either get officiated differently or he'll keep getting kicked out and he'll get to be a bigger storyline we'll we'll see which happens i do have a question for you because detroit yeah. losing this game is abysmal and detroit is a nightmare and I watched Cade Cunningham and I really like the way that he plays, but the advanced metrics are absolutely wretched on him. He shoots seven to 17 tonight. He did have 27 was a plus seven. Like Cade was great tonight. Um, but like this team is, is just so bad and they haven't had Bojan Bogdanovic, but Bojan Bogdanovic cannot be the missing ingredient here. They haven't had Jalen Duran, Jalen Duran and Bojan Bogdanovic can't be the missing ingredient here. It just can't be. Um, my question for you is this, who will be better? Who will be back to good first, the Chicago Bulls or the Detroit Pistons? Oh, I think it's easily the Pistons, to be honest with you. I, I think maybe not within the course of this season, but I, I mean, if you're looking at not just this year, but over the next couple of years, I, I, I disagree with the fact that Bogdanovich and Duran both can't like help this team. Like I know they can't be the answer per se, but it's not, it's not perhaps a team of the most top, tier talent as much as they've drafted highly and things of that sort it's it seems like it's just a good balanced squad i had high expectations not necessarily as a playoff contending team but of an overall competitive team they just they've lost that they've incorporated you know, they're trying to incorporate monty williams and his version of this team his vision for what this group can be and without the shooting that Bogdanov provides it's just another outlet for kate cunningham and his passing and things of that sort duran also kind of a hub of their offense when he's got it cooking, he does so many things so well for that group. It makes things so easily, especially on the rebounding and creating second chance opportunities. His loss, I think, has been a real blow to Detroit. I think they project to be a better team once those two players are healthy and in the lineup. If they don't make another trade necessarily, I think they've got some sharp reduction from Cunningham and others on the roster too. Chicago, I just I know that they're a better team. Like you see them on paper, good veterans, etc. They can still be a playoff group, but just. I mean, maybe you don't want to read too much in the whole psychology of a team at this point, but they just don't seem like they want to be there. And I think that's going to, it's going to sink their season. It seems likely to, that they're going to blow things up or make some trades at some point. So given that, I think Detroit probably winds up being a better team over the next couple of years than Chicago does. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what do they get, right? If they trade everybody, do they get better return? Does that accelerate the timeline? Because a lot of it's like Detroit's had picks, but they haven't been able to hit. Jaden Ivey's hit or miss. You know, Cade's still shooting 40% from the field. And I love Cade's game, but he's got to get yes. the shooting percentages up. He just has to. Um, I think it's an interesting question of, like, and some of that's ownership, too, and the whole organization. The Reinsdorfs are always pushing for playoff revenue. They want shortcuts. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's part of that equation, too. Um, and I do think, though, that, as bad as it is with Detroit, I think this is rock bottom. You know, Monty Williams will change the culture by the end of it. Because I've seen this before, not just with Michael Malone, but with other teams. You get a coach that really knows how to impact a culture. And Monty Williams, like there are problems with him as coach, but he's really great at that. And yes. by the end of the year, you start to see those changes, the patterns, the discipline, the structure. Yes. 
by the end of the year, the Pistons will look a lot better than they do now versus the Bulls may look honestly uh, quite a bit worse. A um, couple of the notes from our around the association, the Los Angeles Clippers get another win. Uh, Russell Westbrook comes off the bench notably, and they get an easy win over the San Antonio Spurs. Good opponent to test that out against Victor Wembanyama. nine points on four of 12 shooting yuck, two rebounds uh, or two blocks and a turnover, four assists and just three rebounds for him in 26 minutes, a minus 17 in this one. Meanwhile, Paul George goes for 28. Paul George is playing awesome this season. I feel like people really need to pay attention. PG with 28, 5, and 6 to go along with the steal, plus 23. He shot 11 to 16 from the field and 4 of 8 from three-point range. James Harden only has 13 points on 12 shots, but has 10 assists and is a plus 17. Uh, Those lineups looked a lot better without Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup. Are you a believer now? I mean, last week you kind of spoke about them. You thought uh, they might not be able to turn things around. Now, with all that talent there, do you start to see the vision possibly uh, concretizing over the next few months? Yeah, you know, I honestly, a lot of it is that I saw when after I saw the, the Clippers in Denver, I was like, okay, they're gonna get this together. Like okay. that was the game where I was like, okay, they can do this now. Um, they showed so much progress in that game. I was like, all right, they've hit rock bottom. They're going to come out of it. I like them versus Houston on Friday. They won that game and now they're kind of carrying it over. Um, yeah, I think the Clippers are probably going to stabilize and I think no one's going to take them seriously. And I'm not going to be able to argue with that. I'm not, I'm not going to be the point where I'm like, you should be worried about the Clipper. Come on. (laughs) We've done this. right? Right. But it's like, look, yeah, if they do what they've never done and they play and they act like a serious franchise, they've got the talent, but they're going to have to put it together. Um, but I do think that this lineup helps a lot in that regard. Uh, the Bucks manhandled the Wizards. The Wizards are terrible. They It's either the Pistons for the worst team in the league, without question. The Wizards put up 129 points and lost by double digits. Giannis goes for 42, 13, and 8. That seems good. Uh, so big time game in that one. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, oh, and finally the Warriors just, just went final as we were recording this, the Warriors win 121, 116 over the Rockets. Rockets once again, competitive, but can't get the win. Steph Curry, 32 points in the win for Golden State as they write things yep. a little bit. Uh, all right. Last thing, Bradley Beal, it was reported last week is going to miss at least another three weeks due to his back injury. It was reported on Monday by the athletic, uh, quote, I'm told an assortment of issues has caused Beal discomfort. This is for Sham Strania. And tightness in his back. And at points since the initial injury in training camp, this is the important part. Beal has dealt with nerve irritation from his back down to his legs. Yikes. That's not what you want to hear. And that's also not something that you can mess with. Like he's going to have to get right. Um, I think my question for you, David, because we don't, you know, we're not doctors, can't diagnose Beal, want the best for him, hope he gets back. But I'll just ask you this What does this do for what you think? If he's going to miss significant time, and if this be, winds up being an issue that causes problems throughout the season, maybe it doesn't. Maybe he gets over it in three weeks and he's fine. But if this right. causes problems throughout the season, what does that do for Phoenix's ceiling ultimately this season? I think it's lowered, obviously. I think that they don't have as much of a chance of winning. If I don't think they have a, a legitimate chance of continuing to win in the post postseason without him. That's kind of a top te- you know, top tier, top heavy ta- talent wise on that roster construction. Uh, I think they're not going to miss him over the next three weeks because this is a team built for that extended playoff run, so I'm not concerned. If he can get healthy, I like their chances. I, I don't discount them whatsoever. But if it's going to be a problem that flares up frequently, then my my concerns about them are, are heightened. 
Okay, that's going to wrap it up for Locked On NBA here for a Tuesday. Appreciate you guys being with us. You can catch David for more of his thoughts over on Locked On Heat with Wes Goldberg. It's a great show. You guys should listen to it. Those guys are so smart, uh, covering one of the smartest teams. And he's absolutely right that Jaime Hawkins has been absolutely phenomenal. But also, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Duncan's a whole other dude this year, and I love watching yeah. him. He's like not just a shooter. He's doing so much stuff. Duncan Robinson's a blast to watch right now. Uh, yes. You can check me out on Locked on Nuggets as well as on the Action Network podcast, Buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time here on Locked on NBA.